Man, it's good to see you today. If you're a guest, we're glad you're here. I'm David. I'm the pastor. You're always welcome. Glad you're here during this time of the year, summer. A lot of people travel, so we're really glad that some of you helped kind of make up the difference in that. And uh, we're, we're, you know, we've kind of been at this location now about a year and a half. Moved up from our uh, old location downtown, and, and it's been an exciting year and a half for us. We've seen lots of new faces. A lot of you are new faces. People are coming and being uh, new people all the time, and it's great. And we get asked, you know, quest- certain questions, and one of the questions you know, people want to know is what can I do? How do I get involved? How do I, how do I get connected to everything? So we're kind of between series right now, sermon series. So I, I thought I'd just spend this, this message today just talking about ways just that you can be, from a biblical perspective, a part of who we are. And, uh, you know, we're First Baptist Church, but we're not typical of many First Baptist churches in terms of the, the way we do things. Our doctrine is, you know, we're very sound theologically, you know, very conservative, and you know, I'm that kind of pastor, but we do a lot of kind of unique things and for a First Baptist Church, and I realize that. And so, kind of you want to know, what do I do? How do I get plugged in? And so, one of the th- things that people ask, maybe, you're thinking, when you come here, is what am I getting into? And that's kind of what I want to deal with today. What are you getting into here at First Baptist Church? Well, be in Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 9, to kind of help with that. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Greet Prisca, that is Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks. To whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Epinatus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. And greet Andronicus and Junaeus, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who were outstanding among the apostles, also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Herpanus and our fellow worker in Christ and Stachus, my beloved. You can keep going on. There's a, a whole bunch more people listed, but we'll kind of stop there because the names get a lot harder to pronounce after verse 9. And I uh, don't want to miss those up. But, but right there, you get a picture of what we're kind of looking at uh, uh, today. And, and, you know, Paul does just this wonderful job of, of closing out Romans. We did, a, we did Wednesday nights. On Wednesday nights, we have something called Grow. It's a Wednesday night Bible study at 615. And from last September through May, we did it on Romans, and it closes out in the 16th chapter. And he just mentions all these people. And it's all these people involved in what he's doing. He does that all the time. And, and so I kind of wanted to come to this passage today, looking at these people to kind of relate to you, to get you to understand that we want to encourage you to involve yourself with us in worship service in what we call community. We really want to encourage you, no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been coming, no matter what your relationship with Christ is, we still want to encourage you to involve yourself with us in the areas of worship, service, and community. And Paul, Paul was so good at understanding the importance of people and seeing the value that people had. In fact, Paul recognized the value of people in serving Jesus. All You look at his books, you see this time and time again in his letters when he writes in the New Testament. He's constantly recognizing the value of other people in serving Jesus, recognizing what they add. You see it in the book of Acts as it talks so much about what Paul Paul is doing, and, and you come to here in Romans, and, and, and so as he does the 16th chapter, and he's going to start talking about all these people, 
he begins by saying, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Now, to commend means recommend, or I'm kind of valuing her to you. I kind of preached about Phoebe and, and, uh, and actually Priscilla about, uh, I think, two years ago. And I was preaching about women and their sermon in the church. And um, he says about Phoebe, uh, she, she is a helper. She's a great, she probably, because he commends her to him, to, to them, she probably took the book of Romans. She probably took Romans to uh, that church there, that, this letter. And uh, she was a helper to Paul, and she was a helper to others. And he says, so help her. She's just great value. But what he says about Phoebe, which is only interesting, is this. She calls her his sister. But he says she is a servant at the church that is in Sincrea. Now, the word servant is the word diakonon. In the Greek, it's our word deacon. And it means literally deaconess. Uh, the noun deacon means a servant as, a, as a such. The verbal form, diakoneo, is very common in the New Testament. It means to serve or minister. It's used all the time. It's used about serving. It's used about ministering. It, it's, an, it's an important concept. Many people are also called servants of the Lord in very general terms. They're a servant of the Lord, a servant of the Lord. But it's only used just like three times in a very narrow or what we would call technical sense. And by technical, I mean to specific, specifically name an a exacting role or an office we call deacon. And so Philippians, it does that. It does it in the book, in the book of Philippians. The deacons greet you. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, after talking about the overseer, which is what I am. I am the overseer, as it describes in 1 Timothy 3. It then mentions the qualifications of the deacons, which is interesting. Now, the deacons, the way it's described is the deacons are there to assist the overseer, by the way. It's not the other way around. Sometimes we get this backwards that the pastor is there to assist the deacons. I've even seen that in churches. The pastor is to assist the deacon. No, the pastor doesn't assist the deacons. It's, biblically, it's the other way around. That's how it's written. But what, what's really interesting is that's the only two times that we ever really translate the word diakonon, or diakonon, there's diakonon, into deacon. But there's a third time that it probably should be, and that's here, because it's used technically to describe Phoebe. Because it says she is a something in specifically at a church. The church in Sincrea recognizes her as having a function, a specific task, that is, a deacon, or a minister at the very least, one or the other. Uh, I'll put it to you this way. If this was not Phoebe, but if her name was Ed, we would say, Paul would be writing, and we would translate it this way. We would translate it that Paul come into you, our brother Ed, and we would say, write it, who is a deacon at the church in Sincrea. I can almost guarantee you none of your English versions have deaconess because we just don't want to shy away from that. But that's exactly what that means. In fact, here's an interesting thing, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not hammering on deacons. Please don't think that. Sometimes they get accused of that, and I'm really not. I'm just trying to help you understand what is in Scripture, okay? Our task is to understand the New Testament. What we believe oftentimes is, <laughs> sometimes we take what we believe instead of what the Bible says, and, and we take what we believe and we kind of put it in more important what Scripture says, we need to do it the other way around. And what you need to understand is that a lot of the stuff that we say sometimes about plagues and deacons comes to mind, but other things as well, we kind of come from tradition. Scripture says very little about deacons. Very, very little. Acts chapter 6 is not about deacons. Some people think it is. It's about people who serve. It's, it's, it's taking seven men in a specific task, really, as evangelists almost, of what they really were. The only person, this is fascinating, the only person in all the New Testament that is called a deacon is Phoebe. I'm just, I'm just telling you, that's just the way it is. Don't blame me. I didn't write the New Testament. That's just the way it is. Now, here's the thing. Now, I'm not, are we going to have women deacons? No. Why? Because I'm not stupid. That's why. We're not going to do that. We're not going to go down that road. I'm just telling you. 
Here's what I want you to see. This woman was unbelievably important. Paul is saying, this woman is so important. I'm giving the letter of Romans to you, her to take to you. Do you realize? Think about this. If Phoebe loses the book of Romans, if she loses this one copy, if she gets shipwrecked on the way over, if she reads it and says, I don't like what Paul writes, I'm chunking it. If anything happens, we lose the entire book of Romans and we lose all of that doctrine that goes with it. This is how important this woman is. Think about the vital role she played, not only in her church, not only to Paul, who sees her as a helper, but for all of us sitting here today. I mean, this is how important she is. And then he goes on to talk about Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila. About a year and a half ago, I preached a whole series about the two of them. And they were this couple, and they were so important to the ministry of Paul. I mean, they, they were probably in Rome to begin with. And then in 49 AD, Claudius the emperor kicked all the Jews, and they were Jewish believers, kicked all the Jews out of Rome, and they left. They go to Corinth. Paul meets them at Corinth. They're tent makers, just like Paul. They become close. Paul goes to Ephesus, he takes them with him, and they start a church in their home in Ephesus. Then when Claudius dies and the Jews can go back to Rome, they go back to Rome, and it says here in verse 5, they have a church meeting at their home. And that's pretty cool. I mean, back then, churches, the church met in people's homes. They didn't have real nice, it's not like today we got these beautiful, nice buildings, and, you know, and, and, and the great thing about this building is it's 100 degrees outside, you come in here and it's so cold you've got to wear a jacket. I mean, they didn't have that luxury. And the reason we keep it cold is because if we get warm, you fall asleep. See, think, about, think about popsicles. Popsicles stay frozen and it's cold. They don't melt till it gets hot. And if we turn the temperature up, you're going to just melt away like a popsicle and fall asleep. So we keep it cold, stay awake. Psychological. It's, 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 I read that in a book somewhere. Here's the thing. They, they were so important. They, they were fellow servants of Paul. They were, in, they were people who risked, Paul says they risked their necks for him. I mean, he says, so, so say hello to them for me. And then he talks about a couple of people. He says they're fellow workers. He talks about Mary and Eubonus. They're fellow workers. They're fellow sharers. They share in the work of Paul. He talks about the people that are beloved to him. He talks about Epineus and Empilidus. And he talks about Stachus. They're, they're fellow. They're the beloved. And, and, and if you want to know if I pronounced those names correct, the answer is yes, I did. In case you were wondering. And it doesn't matter if I didn't because they're dead. They don't, they don't care one way or the other. You know? And so it's just it's these people. And then he talks about another couple, Andronicus and Junias. I mean, here's a couple. He says, they're from my area. They're kin to me. He says, they're, they're my kinsmen. Or the idea, some of you may have relatives. It's from, his, it's from their home, my hometown. That's what it means. Man, they were, conver- they were converts. They were believers way before I was. He says, they were in prison with me. He mentions all these people, and then he mentions a whole bunch more. Why? Because they're all involved. Paul recognizes their value of what they're doing. In fact, you read in the letters of Paul, mentions people, and you see the book of Acts. Here's the thing. The people who stood out to Paul, this is important. The people who stood out to Paul were the people who had a commitment to Christ. They had a commitment to Christ that was obvious by their interaction with other believers. The people that really stand out to Paul are the ones who had an unbelievable commitment to Christ that was evidence of how they dealt with other believers. This all of us matter. How we interact matters. And it certainly mattered to Paul. And so that's the thing that stood out. And here's the thing. What stood out to him was not their positions in the culture or the world. Sometimes he mentions certain people, they have certain things that they did. 
in the outside community. But what matters is what happens here. I, I find this fascinating. Uh, everywhere I've ever been, sometimes we'll, uh, you know, I've, and I've always basically pastored First Baptist churches, and we're good about this. We'll talk about, they'll introduce me to people, or they'll talk about people, and they'll say, this is so-and-so, and she's a city councilwoman. Like, what does she do for the church? No, nothing. Not much. She, but she comes here, but she's a city councilwoman. She's busy. She doesn't have much time for us. I'm like, well, then what good is she doing us, really? Oh, they'll say, this is so-and-so. I've had this before. He owns such-and-such bank. Okay, what does he do in the church? Doesn't do much. He comes. Yeah, that, that's it. We, we place all this emphasis sometimes on what people do outside of the community of believers. And Paul puts emphasis on what they do inside the community of believers. Because that's what matters. What are you doing here? Listen, what you do out there won't last forever, man. But what you do here has eternal consequences. Let's think about it. George Washington. I mean, it's quite possibly, in my mind, the greatest president we ever had. He was the first president. Just phenomenal. I mean, the, found our country. Jefferson. I mean, Jefferson wrote, Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. He wrote it. He sat down and wrote it. Think about Andrew Jackson. Jackson, listen, Jackson won the war. He was a general who won the war, a battle of New Orleans against the British. If Jackson, listen, if Jackson didn't win that war, life would be different. If Jackson didn't win the battle of New Orleans, we'd be speaking English right now. You realize that, don't you? Come on, golly. How do you not get that? That's just, my goodness, that was so good. That, my wife is smiling. My wife smiles at that. That is good. Some of you, the last service, they were rolling in the aisles. You guys, my goodness. Think about it. Or, or, or Abraham Lincoln. Many people think Lincoln's greatest president ever. And yet, in our culture today, what happens? They tear down their statues. Any schools named after them are being changed. People are just denigrating these four tremendous men. Why? Well, they didn't like some part of their life. You see, as great as they were out there, even as great as these four men were, their lives, sometimes their legacy just gets destroyed. What matters to us is not what happens out there. What matters to us is what happens in here. This is the thing about Paul. And really, you could say this about all the guys who wrote the New Testament. When you read the New Testament, you'll see that a distinguishing characteristic of the early church was this involvement of all types of people in all types of service. Male, female, Jew, Gentile, free, slave. It didn't matter. All types of people were involved in all types of of service. You know, sometimes we make it so hard for people to serve. We really do. Now, I, I've seen, in fact, I've, I've been at churches occasionally, uh, I've pastored some, I've consulted with others, and you look at the expectations, the requirements to serve, and it's like, my goodness, how does anybody serve here? Because they have all these lists of things they have to do. You realize back then, if you were in any way, they were just plugging people in to serve right off the bat. Now, I know there's certain, we've got to have some qualifications. I mean, if you're going to preach, you've got to have certain minimum expectations. I get that. If you're going to lead worship, you know, and sing, there's some expectations. I got that. If you're going to be on the personnel committee, need to be a member of the church, I got all that. But sometimes we worry so much about whether a person is a formal member or not. And we want you to be a member, but we worry so much about that. And we worry so much about whether they're absolutely meet this long list of qualifications that we lose, we lose great servants and people that add so much value to us. And if you go to the New Testament, they just don't have that many limitations. They just, people serve. People get involved. People work. Because they value that so much. And that became so important to them. And, and, and so you come, and you come to this New Testament. 
And you come to the things that Paul emphasized. And you come to the things that mattered to Paul. And you just see this great sense of people connecting and being involved. And that's what we want from you. And that's what we want for you. In fact, here's what I want you to realize. Especially for me. We value you and want you and encourage you to add value to our church. We really do value you. We think you're important, and we want you to add value to our church. Because here's what I know. I know this. I've done this for almost 39 years. Everybody who's a part of this church, either you add value to our church, or you take value away from it, pure and simple. You're either adding value to our church, or you're taking value away from it. We want you to add value. We want you to be a part of things. And so here's, here's the thing. Here's, this is what matters to us. And so how do you get connected? And so here's the thing. Every follower of Christ should be involved on at least three different levels or have three levels of involvement. Worship, service, and discipleship, which we call community or connection. Every person should be involved in worship, service, and community. Those three levels. So here's the thing. We, we, we want to recognize how important this is. You go back. To the book of, of Romans. They had worship. They were met in people's homes. They met in the home of Priscilla and Aquila. And some other people's homes they met in too. They were serving. He keeps Paul's talking all the ways they served. And they were involved in community together. So this was a church. And he's all these people are together in community. This goes all the way back, by the way, to Genesis. Adam worshiped God. In fact, it says that every day God came down into the garden to be with Adam. Adam could be in the presence of God. That's worship. And then when Adam sinned, he stopped being in the presence of God. He hid himself from God. He stopped worshiping. He was involved in service. His job was serving. I mean, he was in charge of the garden. He didn't just lay around doing nothing. He worked the garden, took care of the garden, the animals. He served. And then he needed community. God said it's not good for him to be alone. I will get a helper, a helper to be with him. And so Eve came to have community. All of that's there. So we want you involved in worship. We want you to, to worship. Now, you're here in worship now, and that's important. But you need to be involved and make sure worship is a high priority. We know today, for instance, that the average church attender, the average person who's, average, who's involved in church, attends church, attends worship 2.2 times a month. I don't know where the point two comes, because I don't know how we get fractional worship, so we're having a part worship service, but that's to get 2.2, which means this. Out of 52 times a year, 52 Sundays, they come to about 28, 29 services a year. Now, think about it. You miss, you miss almost half the time. Why? Because, I know, I, listen, and I get it. I'm sympathetic. You get busy. I understand that. But you, we're not making worship the priority it needs to be. I mean, and I get it. So, but think about some of the things that happen. You know, our kids, kids got a soccer, you know, tournament or a baseball game. And, and some people are maybe there now. And, and I know it. And I get that. And I understand it's important. But you're teaching your kids. What you're teaching your kids is that their, their activities, their soccer, their baseball, their whatever, is more important than worship. You may not think you're teaching them that, but that's what you're teaching them. So that 20 years from now, when they don't worship the Lord, it's because you taught them it wasn't important. Or our family comes in, and, you know, and everybody's at the house, and it's a hassle to get everybody up. I, I understand that. I really do. But, but still, where, is the pro- where are you going to make worshiping God the priority? And, and don't tell me you can worship him at home because you don't worship him at home. I mean, when, when, when are you going to make God the priority? Next Sunday night, we don't have many Sunday, uh, evening worship services, but next Sunday night we're going to have a one night uh, a worship experience 
uh, at 6 o'clock to, to, I think, 7.30. And we're going we're gonna to have a Sunday night worship uh, venue, and we want to encourage you to come. But it's, it's one of those times that we just come to worship and praise God. Now, normally, you know, we, we, we only have 60 minutes. You know, 11 o'clock, you have nothing following you, so you've got a little bit of lag time. But everything's in 60 minutes. And so next week, we're just taking off the restraints. We're going past 60 minutes. Could be 65, could be 70, who knows. Could be a whole hour and a half. We're, we're just going to go with a lot of music. But it's an opportunity for you to bring guests and friends. It's an opportunity for all, you know, all the worship services. It's going to be a very, very modern. It's going to be you know, even more lights and more, more uh, you know, probably fireworks. I heard something about fireworks going off. I don't know what they're doing. But, you know, stuff, sparklers, I don't know. Those young guys, they think of stuff all the time. But it's a chance to come and worship God together. And here's the thing, we made, it, we made it such that there's no school, school hadn't started yet, so we can't say it's a school night. We just did everything we could to make it easy. <laughs> to make, in fact, here's our conversation, what can we do to make it easy for people to attend? Think about that conversation for a moment. How do we make it easy for people to attend worship? Worship means to be the priority of our life. Worship. You need to be involved in serving, you need to serve. We have this thing called worship an hour, serve an hour. You worship on Sunday an hour, serve an hour. Serve an hour a week, serve an hour a month. You just, we just need you to serve because here's what we know. People who serve in the church some capacity are more likely to call that church their home. They're likely to be connected. We want you to serve. And I, and I get it. Some of you are so busy. And I hear it, you know, David, I'm busy. I have jobs. It's so demanding. I have to think. I have to strategize. I don't, I don't want to have to come to the church and do all that same stuff. So I get it. You want, you, want to, you want to serve, but you don't have to use your mind. You don't have to think. You don't have to do anything. Just show up. It, it's mindless. All that. Be in our parking group. You can do that. Those guys are that way. You know, if someone asked you one time, what's, what's the primary, what's the one skill you need for the parking team? It's this. If you can do that, you can just like ZZ Top, man. You can do that. You can work in the parking team. Or you can work as a creator. We need lots of creators. We need friendly people. Eliminate some of you right now. Some of you are not smiling. You could not be on the, you could not be on the welcome team. We need friendly people. You open the door and welcome folks. Work down with the kids in Upstreet and Wombaland. That's a blast. Work in the cafe. Hey, you don't want anything to do with people? We have the whole setup crew, man. We have people that set up stuff. But after the 8.30 service, there were risers here. There was an organ there. They got that all, just all that stuff's gone. We, we have all types of groups that can serve. Come serve with us. Maybe you, you don't like any of those. You, you have your own. I can serve, and you create a way to serve. Fine, we'll take it. There's, there's some tables after the service. There's tables with yellow tablecloths. Go meet some of those folks and say, tell me how I can serve. And we have some folks today saying, I'm going to go to Juarez. We have a trip to Juarez. Joe told you about it. Go to Juarez. There's an Awana table out there. They need people working Awana, working Awana. We need you to serve. You need to do that. You need to be connected. People are involved in community. So we have connecting. We connect people and community together. We have community. And sometimes, some folks do it the old, old school with the Bible study. You know, at, at a 10 o'clock, we have Sunday school down at Danyani Community College down there. At 830, 945, at 11 o'clock, we have a Bible study class. One's going on right now. It meets in that conference room. But most people in this service, you, we have what we call connect groups. Connect groups are, are small community groups. Debbie and I are a part of one. If Debbie and I were not in a connect group, we wouldn't have the opportunity to have community with people. And so we, we love our connect group. It's, it's an important part of our life. And, and about twice a year, we form new connect groups. And so September 8th, at six weeks from today, at night, connect night. Come to connect night. I mean, come to connect night and get involved in the connect group. We know this, that people are more likely to get connected in a group if they come to the connect night and if they don't. We, just, we have the numbers on that. We know this. So come. 
sign up online, show up, whatever. But, you know, go up to one of those two tables, say, I want to get signed up for Connect Night. Get involved in community. It's vitally important for you and your relationship with God and to this church. Worship, service, community. That's how you get connected. Because here's the thing. When people get connected in worship, service, and community, this is what we know. They're more likely to help people come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You realize you don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to do those things. You don't, you don't even have to be a Christian to come to worship service and community. You don't. In fact, that may be the way you become a Christian. We have people who end up giving their life to Jesus because of worship service and community. You don't have to be a member here to do those things. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to do those things. Just do those things. You'll probably end up becoming a follower of Jesus. That may scare you away right there. I don't know. But that's the amazing thing. See, this is what Jesus told us. He said, love God, love other people. And then go make disciples. That's what he wants us to do. I put it this way. Our task in life is to honor God above all else and get people to Jesus as fast as we can. I say that all the time. Get people to Jesus as fast as we can. Well, how do we do that? How are we going to reach people? And this is what we know. This is absolutely the truth. Sharing Jesus with others is a result of worship, service, and community. Sharing Jesus with others is a result of worship, service, and community. When we are involved in worship, service, and community, we will see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. The book of Acts, phenomenal book. In the book of Acts, it just covers this 30-something years of church life. And there's these sections in the book of Acts where they have what we call transitions. Some sections are transitioning from one section to the other. At the end of chapter 2, there's a transition. After Peter preaches this phenomenal message where 3,000 people are saved, it transitions in about verse 41, 42, right there, it begins to tell us. It says, they all met together. They had everything in common. They shared. They were in community. And they taught. And they broke bread. And they prayed. And they listened to what the disciples had to say. And they met in people's homes. And it talks about that. In fact, I have an entire series about worship, service, and community of four weeks just on this passage. And then the second chapter ends this way in verse 47. The Lord added to their number every day all of those who were being saved. Notice. From worship, service, and community, the Lord at that point began to add to their number those who were saved. I had somebody from one of the denominational offices. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It's a good guy. No problem. But he was asking me, you know, what's your church's evangelism strategy? So I knew what he was getting at, what he wanted. So I just said this, worship, service, and community. And he looked at me and like, but I mean, what's your strategy? I said, that's it. Worship, service, and community. You know why that's it? Because that's all you need. You don't have to develop a fancy plan of evangelism. All you have to do is what Scripture teaches you to do. It's an amazing thing. If you just follow Scripture, it's amazing what happens. And this is what we do. We involve ourselves in worship, service, community. So let me ask you this. Where are you involved and how are you involved in those areas of your life? Are you truly committed to worshiping God? Is it a priority of your life? Don't tell me you can worship in at home. Don't buy that. You need to meet with other people to worship. Are you doing that? Are you involved someplace in serving in some capacity? Every capacity matters. And are you connected with a group of people in community you need that. Someone told me, and I've read this numerous times, and had people reply to me, this statement to some degree. 
I can be a Christian without the church. Read it, heard it. And my response is pretty much this. Just one word. How? How can you be a Christian without the church? Because if you read the New Testament, that never happens. And it's never taught. You need to be connected. So where are you connected? Some of you might need to give your life to Jesus. You've never trusted Christ to be your Savior. I mean, you've never taken your life and trusted it, Jesus, and said, here it is. And so today, you can give your life to Christ. It's the place to start. In a moment, there'll be a few of us down front. If you want to talk to one of us about giving your life to Christ, you can do that. Give your life to Jesus. Some of you may want to join our church formally. We'd love for you to do that. The last service, we had several people do that. Say, you know, I want to become a part of this church. We'd love for you to be a part of this church. It's important, so come join. But if you don't want to join, that's okay, too. You still can be connected. So here's the thing. Maybe today you, what you need to do is make a commitment that says worship is the priority of my life. I'm going to prioritize worshiping God, and so I'm coming to worship. I'm, 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 going, to, I'm going to make worship so important that I just don't want to miss. I want to be there. And maybe today you need to make that commitment to Christ. Maybe you need to make the commitment of, of serving. You're going to find a place to serve. And as soon as the service is over, you go out to one of those tables and say, sign me up, where can I serve? But make the commitment to serve today. Make the commitment to be part of connection. And so maybe what you need to do today is just say this. Come September 8th, I'm coming to Connect Night. I'm going to find a group of people, and I'm going to live life with them, and I'm going to do community. I want to be connected with other people. What we're simply asking you to do, it's not all that complicated. Just be a part of worship, service, and community. That's what you're getting into. That's what you, we want you to get into. We want you to join us in that life and be a part of First Baptist Church. So, Father, we thank you. You bless us in so many ways. You love us beyond what we can even comprehend. And so, Father, as we come just to this part of our service or invitation, I don't even know what people need to do. I couldn't even begin to assume what each and every individual needs. But, Father, just let your spirit work in their lives. Those that need to give their life to Jesus, that's the most important thing we ever do. Let, us, let them give their life to Christ. But all of us, Father, need that commitment. We all, we all need to just be connected together. And so I just pray that help us make commitments to worship you and commitments, Father, to serve you and commitments just to have community together. And, Father, we do this so that our church will reach people who need Jesus. Because that's really what matters. What really matters is that we reach people for Christ. But we'll never reach them for Christ if we're not involved in worship, service, and community. So, Father, my prayer today is this is what we will get into. This is what we will be a part of. And in doing so, we will honor and glorify you. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand? Some of us will be at the front. If you want to come, you come.